Hello and welcome to a very special episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art, I'm your host, and it is the podcast's one-year anniversary. I want to start off the episode today just with a heartfelt thank you for all of you who have become fans and participants in, in the podcast. I love being able to share with you my joy of Christmas And I love being able to read you stories and share memories and meet many new friends along the way. And so to celebrate in today's episode, I'm going to first of all share with you a brand new story. This was written by Jamie Kleeman, and she's a children's author, and she reached out to the podcast with this story, and I absolutely love it. It's called The City of Limes. Then following the story, I'm going to have an interview with her to talk about her story and what brought her to write it, and we're going to talk about Christmas and all kinds of things. This Christmas story tells the tale of the city of Limes and what kind of a difference you can make with even just one small act of kindness with a little bit of help from chocolate turtle brownies with extra caramel. Now, uh, the story is not narrated by me, And if you want to know about the narrator and who that is and how Jamie came to find him, it's all in our interview, so you can listen to that. Uh, But he does a fantastic job. And I I was teasing Jamie that I kind of want him to just come on and read all the stories I have on my podcast from here on out. That's what I want to sound like one day. So then after the story and after the interview, Grace and I are going to make and taste some chocolate turtle brownies for you to let you know how how they taste and uh, th- those the recipe that Jamie shared with me will be in our show notes. Let's make ourselves cozy, grab a chocolate turtle brownie and settle in by the blazing Christmas fire and let me share with you this Christmas story, The City of Limes. The City of Limes, a holiday tale by Jamie Kleeman. Dear friends, it is nearly Christmas. The streets are blinking with lights and the malls are humming with shoppers. But I haven't stepped foot in one store this holiday season. I have decided that my gift this year will be to tell a story that happened a long time ago. My present is to share the words that have been told to me every Christmas Eve since I could crawl onto my mother's lap. I hope this story brings the same light into your life as it has to mine, and as it has to everyone in my family for generations. I should start by telling you two rules my mother has always lived by, words of wisdom that were passed down to her and that she repeats to me whenever necessary. Never doubt that one person can make a difference, and always put extra caramel in your turtle brownies. This advice will make much more sense when you learn of the city where my ancestors settled, the City of Limes. You won't find the City of Limes on any map, but rest assured it existed and was a place as sour as its name. The people who lived there 
were jealous and greedy. The main concern of Limers was how much money did they have, and most importantly, was it more than the next person? It was a dark city, where people did not shake hands, did not say hello, and never shared a horse and carriage ride. There was not even a light on the sign that marked the entrance to the city of Limes. The Limers felt, if you weren't rich enough to know where the city was located, you did not deserve to visit. In the midst of all this sourness, however, there was a bit of hope. A woman by the name of Crystal McGrin had lived in the city of Limes her entire life. She did not know the meaning of the word greed, and envy was something she had no time for. Crystal spent her days helping less fortunate people from neighbouring cities, playing the piano, and baking as much as possible. She was a bright, happy, and kind person. Definitely not your typical limer. Now, because Crystal was such a cheerful and spirited lady, Christmas was her favourite time of year. She would begin preparing for the holiday as soon as the Thanksgiving dishes were done. Crystal would find the plumpest tree she could fit in her home and dress it in twinkle lights and homemade decorations. She carefully dried limes and painted ornaments, then dangled them from ribbons on every branch. Strands of popcorn and cranberries wrapped the evergreen, and a cinnamon stick star crowned the top of the tree. One year, after the snow had melted, Crystal knew it was time to take down her Christmas decorations. It was with a heavy heart that she carried the boxes up from the basement to begin packing. For her, tucking away the ornaments and stockings was like saying goodbye to old friends. And then she was struck with an idea. Why say goodbye? She had plenty of rooms in her home. Why not keep one filled with Christmas all year long? And so it was. Crystal McGrin filled her parlour with every Christmas item she had ever owned or made. An old-fashioned Santa stood by the glowing tree she was able to keep alive with a deep pot and plenty of soil and water. Garlands trailed down the banister and onto the piano where she sat playing Christmas carols while treats baked in the oven. A holly wreath hung from her door and she flanked the entrance to her home with two little spruces adorned with shimmery bulbs. Crystal had never been happier. As winter gave way to spring, the McGrin home was still aglow with the warmth and spirit of Christmas. But while Crystal was busy being merry, the Limers were busy being as cold as the winter that had just passed. Even with the promise of budding trees and grass, the city of Limes was filled with grumbling, heads pointed down and hands stuffed stiffly in pockets. On an early morning in March, much to her dismay, Doris Glassman had to drop by Crystal's to borrow an egg. Doris had lived next to Crystal for years, but had avoided contact with her neighbours like any sensible Lima would do. But on this morning, she was desperate. 
So she made the short trip down the cobblestone street to the McGrin home and rang the bell. Crystal greeted Doris as if they were sisters. She ushered her in and sat her promptly in the parlour in front of the twinkling tree. Before Doris could remark on the ridiculous Christmas room, Crystal served her mulled cider and a piece of pumpkin roll as she set off to get one extra large egg. When she returned to the parlour, Crystal noticed her neighbour still taking in every inch of the decorated room. She explained what she had done as Doris merely shook her head in disbelief and possible disgust. But Crystal was not easily discouraged. She invited her guests to reach in and pick a gift from one of the knit stockings hanging over the fireplace. Much to her own surprise, Doris found herself walking over to one of the pointy red and green stockings and plunging her hand down as deep as it would go. Just curiosity, she told herself. Her hand emerged with a small box wrapped in brown butcher paper and gold ribbon. She unwrapped it quickly to discover a pale blue sachet filled with fresh lavender. Crystal told her it would go nicely in a drawer or under bed pillows. Doris Glassman barely acknowledged the gift, or the egg for that matter, and made a quick exit back into the quiet darkness of her own home. But Crystal noticed, with a grin, that the pumpkin roll was finished, the cider had been drained from its mug, and a smile may have possibly tiptoed past Doris's face, even if just for a moment. Although the Limers did not like to make small talk, they certainly did not mind passing along little bits of gossip, especially if it was something that made someone else look foolish. Knowing she would be rewarded with snickers and sneers, Mrs Glassman made sure she mentioned Crystal's ridiculous Christmas room to anyone who crossed her path. She took great pleasure in the nasty responses. While the rest of the City of Limes was busy talking about the silly McGrin woman, Crystal was busy maintaining her festive home inside while tending to her hanging baskets and blooming yard outside. She made morning trips to Willoughby's Market for eggs, sugar or special ingredients she needed for the holiday treats she was baking that day. And Crystal kept her tree lit and the stockings stuffed with little presents, just in case. During her strolls to the store, and time spent outside gardening, Crystal couldn't help but notice the number of people staring at her while passing. Her street had never seen so many horse and carriages, or limers, walking by. She thought this was wonderful. Crystal had always felt that Glenwood Lane had been far too lonely for far too long. It never occurred to her that people were being nosy so they could join in on the busybody comments about the Christmas room. Crystal McGrin was so excited by the bustle on her street that she began to wave to people and encourage them to stop. Day after day, her greetings were met with only silence. Who ever heard of waving in the city of limes? But one afternoon, 
her persistence began to pay off. A gentleman in a grey top hat and coat was making his way down Glenwood Lane when he tripped on a cracked stone. Crystal put down the eggnog she had been sipping on her covered porch and seized the opportunity. She rushed down the walk and ushered in the bewildered man. Harold Huff was on his way to the bank when he decided to make a slight detour to catch a glimpse of the house with the Christmas room. He had merely wanted to deposit a nice sum of money into his account and get a good laugh at someone else's expense. But now he found himself surrounded by four walls of holiday nonsense. Harold stood abruptly to leave, but the Christmas room and Crystal's kindness took over. She dashed some nutmeg on a fresh glass of nog and brought in the treat of the day to Mr. Huff. Turtle brownies with extra caramel. When he opened his mouth to protest, she stuffed it full with the warm brownie. No one knows if it was the extra caramel that Crystal always used, or just complete shock, but Harold Huff sat back down and did not say a word for nearly an hour. It was as if his mouth were glued shut. He listened to the tale of how the Christmas room came to be. He watched Crystal's hands dance across the piano to play one Christmas carol after another, and he polished off three glasses of eggnog. When it was time to leave, he was persuaded to reach down into a long green stocking with red piping. Mr. Huff raised his hand to find it filled with a beautiful mahogany pen. He stared at the present for a full minute before he tipped his hat to Crystal and slipped out of the door. What happened next is what makes this story worth telling and, more importantly, worth truly listening to. It turned out that Harold Huff was a well-known and respected reporter for the City of Limes Times. The Limers admired him for his cold views and his love of money that was often reflected in his articles. But something happened to Harold at Crystal McGrin's home. This simple, kind woman forced the journalist to take a hard look at what is truly important. For the first time, he questioned the meaning of happiness. Harold Huff never made it to the bank after his chance visit to the Christmas room. He went directly to his office and began to write. The mahogany pen flew across the pages as he wrote about what happened to him that day. He filled his article with questions he had never asked himself, let alone his loyal readers. What is the point of having piles of money if you do no good with your fortune? Isn't it lonely not to share your thoughts and life with other people? In his last paragraph, he urged everyone to travel to 21 Glenwood Lane. Not to make snide comments, but to stop and learn what it truly means to be rich. He rushed the piece to the typesetters as the sky began to darken. The papers would soon be on every corner. The article was read by all, yet no one dared to speak of the words. 
Harold Huff was known for his brilliance. There was not a limer around who wanted to look unintelligent. So what started out as a shallow attempt to seem superior and smart slowly began to change the city of limes. One by one, men and women stopped by Crystal McGrin's home so they would appear as bright as the famous reporter. One by one, they left with a full stomach and a small gift to help them remember the Christmas room. And, while they might not have been as quickly enlightened as Mr. Huff, each person did feel something, perhaps the start of happiness. For once, it was pleasant gossip that spread through the city. By midsummer, Crystal was in her glory. She strolled to Willoughby's Market twice a day to keep her home stocked with sweets and refreshments. Her house was never empty. There were knocks on her door at all hours. People who had never been to the Christmas room and people who wanted another visit. Men, women and children came to talk by the tree that was always lit and decorated, sip hot cider out on the porch or listen to Crystal play the piano. It wasn't just in Crystal McGrin's home that a change was taking place. Things were different on every street in the City of Limes. Homes looked a little brighter. People actually smiled as they passed strangers. And horses and carriages were filled with people sharing rides. Even Doris Glassman stopped by the Christmas room with an egg for Crystal. The first time she had ever returned a favour. The city had never been so beautiful. But, just as things looked their best, one man believed they were at their worst. Charles Puckersby could not stand one more minute of this festivity. He had tried to ignore what was happening to his precious city, but could do so no more. Charles did not care what Harold Huff thought or had written. It was Charles who was the richest man for miles. It was Charles who liked people to be mean and greedy. And it was Charles who was going to do something about that Crystal McGrin woman. Fortunately for him, he was the owner of Puckersby Utilities, the most powerful company in the city of Limes. Charles had spent the better part of August devising a plan that would put an end to this ridiculous happiness that was overtaking a perfectly unhappy city. A letter would be mailed to every citizen in the area, and he would send two to 21 Glenwood Lane to be safe. It was a brief note stating that there had been an unusual increase in the amount of energy the city was consuming. Puckersby Utilities had pinpointed the problem to be the unnecessary lights that were now being used by more people, as well as the absurd Christmas decorations that were always lit by one Crystal McGrin. The letter requested that all such lights be put out, and anyone who did not see fit to do so would lose their power by the stroke of eight o'clock on the evening of September 30th the Limers began to receive the notice the second week of September.
By the third week of the month, the drafts had all been discarded. All except Crystal's letter. She did not like to offend anyone, and she certainly did not want to cause trouble for the city. But something did not ring true about the notice from Puckersby Utilities. All of her visitors told her not to give the letter a second thought, and assured her that Charles Puckersby was a whimbag of a man with too much time and money. So Crystal busied herself with the upkeep of the Christmas room and prepared a menu for the nearing Thanksgiving holiday. As September came to an end, everyone had forgotten about the threatening letter. Everyone but Charles Puckersby. On the eve of October 1st, he sat in his corner office at the Puckersby Utilities Company. Nothing had changed since he had mailed his simple request. If anything, people were even more cheerful with the upcoming holiday season. But that was fine. He would make everything go back to the way it was. Who could be happy with no power? People would have to blame Crystal McGrin for the trouble he was about to cause and then it was back to nasty, as usual, for the city. It was with an evil grin that he made his way to the control room and pulled the large switch. The Puckersby Estate and Utility Company were the only properties that maintained power. The rest of the City of Limes, including the Christmas room, fell dark and silent. Charles smirked and decided to spend a few hours going through overdue bills before he returned home. This was indeed a good night. After he tallied all the money owed to him, he stepped out into the cool air and summoned his personal carriage driver. He could barely see through the thick darkness as the horse plodded its way through the streets. But... Something caught his eye as they made a turn towards his estate. There was a glow in the sky that was too bright to be even the fullest of moons. The fierce light could mean only one thing. A fire. A fire at his home. A fire where his wife and children were waiting for him. He barked at the driver to hurry and the plodding horse erupted into a gallop. Fear wrapped around Charles as they pulled down the tree-line lane leading to his estate. The light had become so bright that he was shielding his eyes. It wasn't until he raced out of the carriage and flung open the heavy double doors that he realised there were no flames or smoke. It appeared that every limer was in his home. They were eating and drinking, and he distinctly heard the sound of a piano and Christmas carols. He spun around to find his wife and children greeting him with hugs and a plate full of turtle brownies. His oldest daughter, Charlotte, popped a bit of brownie in his mouth as she hurried into his arms. And once again, no one knows if it was the extra caramel in the brownies that kept Charles quiet, or the sheer relief that his family and home were safe. He simply watched and listened in disbelief as his wife explained why the entire city was at the Puckersby estate. 
When the city of Limes had lost power, the Limers met out in the streets with candles to determine a plan of action. It was easy to guess that Charles would not allow his own home to go without light, so they decided to take the candles and make their way to Puckersby's house. Their first stop was 21 Glenwood Lane. The Limers gathered every decoration from Crystal McGrin's Christmas room, including the tree and lights, and marched them through the streets. When they arrived at the estate, Rose Puckersby greeted them with sincere happiness. She had never understood the sour side of her husband, and she longed for a little company and cheer in the lonely mansion. Rose and her children found a home for every candle and decoration the people had brought. The tree was set up, Crystal went to work in the kitchen, and groups gathered around the baby grand piano to sing carols. Charles Puckersby had never been grateful for anything but money. But on that night, he gave thanks that his beautiful family was safe from harm, and that they had never looked healthier or happier than they did in the glow of the hundreds of candles. After he finished chewing the last of his turtle brownie, he made his way through the crowd and found Crystal McGrin. He did not say anything to the kind woman, but his outreached hand said it all. The house exploded with cheers, and history was made. It had been nearly a year since Crystal had the idea to share her special room, small gifts, and happiness, when the city decided to repay her generosity. On Christmas Eve, every horse and carriage in the city surrounded Crystal McGrin's block. Limers were spilling out of carriages as they called out for Crystal to accompany them on a ride to the edge of the city. She joined in the festivity, thinking this would be a wonderful tradition each year on the night before Christmas. After a short journey, Crystal's carriage pulled to a stop, and Limers, young and old, sang out Merry Christmas! In front of Crystal McGrin was the sign announcing the entrance to the city of Limes. But the sign had changed. The letters had been rearranged to read The City of Smile. Welcome to had been added to the sign, and a bright light now glowed proudly on the words, a light that had been set up by Charles Puckersby himself. The City of Smile is a bright and happy place to live to this day. Each generation knows and honours the name of Crystal McGrin, and at Christmas time, every family of Smilers makes a batch of turtle brownies and recalls what one woman, and an extra bit of caramel, did to turn a dark and sour city into a place of light and joy. Friends, I hope you enjoyed the story as much as I have my entire life, and I wish you all a very merry and bright Christmas. Yours truly, James Puckersby you have been listening to The City of Limes, written by Jamie Kleeman, read 
by John Colley. Wasn't that such a good story? If you want to hear it again, it's on YouTube right now. It's free to listen to. And I'll have a link in the show notes to that video. And I know Jamie would love it if you shared that story on your social medias, on whatever platform you're on. And right now with Christmas in July, perhaps people are in the mood for a little bit of a Christmas story. Please feel free to share that uh, with your friends and family. Even better, if I can get a plug in here for myself, share just share this episode. Uh, but yeah, share the story, share this episode with, with your friends and family. I think it has such a powerful message for today that one person can make a big difference. It might take time and it might take some chocolate turtle brownies, but we can make a difference. All right, so I'm going to play the interview I had with Jamie. And while that's playing, I'm going to go make some chocolate turtle brownies. Gracie and I will be back at the end of the interview to tell you how those brownies turned out and to talk about the Christmas fun we've been having this month in July. I'm here today with the author of the story we just listened to, The City of Limes. Uh, her name is Jamie Kleeman, and she's an author, TED Talk speaker, and believes in the power of small books that convey big messages. Uh, so, Jamie, welcome to the Cozy Christmas Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, just want to thank you for uh, letting me share your story uh, on the podcast. It, it's it's a lovely little story, but like like you say, you love the stories that carry big messages, and and this one has a huge message to it. So thank you for that. That it was a very good story. Well, I really appreciate you uh, sharing it with your audience and just, you know, taking the time to listen and, and, and get that message. So I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah I, I was hoping, and I think I told you in our text messages, but I, I was hoping to find more new stories and, and, you know, authors who want to get their story out. So I was really excited when you, when you sent me the, the text message. So I appreciate that. Most of the folks here probably aren't familiar with you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, well, as I said, I'm Jamie Kleeman. I write children's books. Typically, uh, typically I write shorter books that rhyme. Um, even though my kids are now 18 and 21, I can't believe I'm saying that. I still <laughs> lean towards, uh, you know, small rhyming books that I hope convey big messages. Um, but this, so this was something really different for me. I actually wrote this story um, originally 18 years ago and it, I've been sitting on it. Um, but during the pandemic, I really started to pull some of my work out and thought, you know, what is it that I want to do? I think all of us kind of probably had those moments where we're like, what are we doing? Who do we want to be? Absolutely. <laughs> so I, I, um, I really took some time to, I got a website together uh, with all of my children's books on there. I recorded some of them so that they'd be available for kids to watch and, and they could see the pages turning and hear them. Um, I, I put my TED Talks on there, as you mentioned, I've done some uh, two TED Talks and I thought, you know, I really have things I want to share with the world and some messages and I really want to work on that. So not only did I, you know, post my, my current work, but I, I 
pulled out a box with some of my older things and I saw City of Limes and I thought, oh my goodness, I've been sitting on this. And I um, I made some edits. Um, when you heard Willoughby's Market, that was now, I, I didn't have a Will at the time, but my kids' names are Will and Abby. So mm. I I named the, the store after them. And there are some other touches I changed. And then um, I went on to have it recorded so that I could share it. And then I just took it a step farther where I thought usually I would do this and maybe you know, send it to some friends. And I thought, you know what, I'm really, I'm really going to try and share this with a lot of people. And that's, that's how I found you. I started saying, you know, looking for Christmas podcasts. So thank yeah, you. Well, yeah. Well, we're, we're out here and <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, them- I, I love it. I think it's, first of all, as we were discussing earlier, I love podcasts. I love this mm-hmm. platform. Um, it's really got me one thing that got me through, you know, and continues to get me through quarantine and pandemic and, and just yeah. days I, I love learning things and being entertained. So yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. a, it's a great platform. I really got into them a couple of years ago, but this, this last year, like you said, and I think many people when we're all inside, just hearing that human voice is, was so helpful. So I, and I found some, found some treasures uh, <laughs> in, in podcast along the way. Um, well, and, and my audience knows that this podcast started during the pandemic and, um, one of some, several good things that have come out of that bad situation for sure, uh, at least in, in my life. So uh, same, same for me. Yep. Yep. Well, and as, as you mentioned, uh, as an author, Ted talk speaker, um, you know, I, I shared with you, I was listening to your, your one, it's called pass it on how to make a monster difference. And, in that one, you talk about the uh, the word just and how that was kind of a monster in your life, keeping you from from doing the things that your 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 mind or your heart desired to do. And yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I think that's um, a message we need to hear today. I don't know anything you want to add to that uh, or um, elaborate yeah, on. I mean, as I mentioned, like I've I've always had this. It's always been within me that I wanted to write books for children and, and really for families, um, you know, books that are, were fun or entertaining or sparked imagination. Um, but I found I had this crutch and the crutch was me saying, Oh, I'm just, I'm just too busy. I'm just too tired when I was a young mom. Or when I finally did start writing my ideas down and sharing them, I thought I would say, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just doing this for my friends or, you know, eventually I went into my children's classrooms and I, I would, you know, I'm just self-published, just this. And then, you know, finally I had an opportunity to turn one of my books into a musical. Um, it's not mean to be green. And that was a big uh, moment for me. And I kind of ripped the bandaid off of saying just because I had to figure things out of how to make a musical happen. And I thought, you know what, um, this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my message. People are responding to it. And I want to, you know, and I am an author and I, and it's okay to say these things. So I, I try sometimes just creeps back into my life a little bit and I catch myself. And, and because I often tell my children when, if you're having self-doubt and, and I say, what advice would you give your friend? You know, we're so good about telling everyone else, oh no, you're great. You can do this. You've got this. Look at all you've done. But sometimes our self-talk is not as kind. So mm-hmm. I, I really try to remember my own words and, and walk the walk um, and, and stop saying, you know, just, I think we all have a unique talent. I think we're all have something that is worth developing and working hard on. And most 
importantly, probably is that it's worth sharing. So mm. that's why I kind of, I really applaud you for starting your podcast during the quarantine, because, you know, if you love Christmas as much as you do and others do, there's an audience for it. And mm-hmm. it, so I, I really, I really think we all have something very special to share. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's a, it's kind of a, a, a niche topic, but it's one I'm passionate about and I would have started it sooner, but I had those same excuses. I, I, you know, I'm just this or that. I just don't have the time. I, I just don't have the knowledge. And, and I shared, there were a couple of podcasters that were very encouraging to me to get started and helping me learn to do that. Uh, but also, um, you know, I found inspiration in stories, which is partly why I like to read stories on my podcast. And one was from one of my favorite authors, Ray Bradbury. He's a science fiction writer. Mm -hmm. uh, And he had said years ago about doing things. He said, just do it. Don't think about it. Don't plan it. Just jump in and do it. And he has this quote uh, that he says, jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I know some people like to plan more and all that. And that's, I, 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 get that part but you know he said if basically if we have an excuse about not doing something that's going to hold us back so just just do it um yeah. i guess to steal from nike <laughs> but, <laughs> well that's, that's okay that's flattery and i totally agree with you i think sometimes that you if you want it and for me it's been that you know i had this realization i thought these thoughts and this dream has never left me and i this is what i want to do uh and so Sometimes you you just have to figure it out on your way. You're not you don't have all the answers. And I love 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 when people like you mentioned the podcasters who had already been established. Mm-hmm. I find the more questions I ask that when people are really passionate about what they do, they typically like to share and are super generous. And yeah. that that's been huge for me. So I think the more we help each other, because that's another lesson I really try to you know teach my kids or, and even remind myself there is enough space for all of us to do something mm-hmm. really special. And so we don't have to, you know, be tight with it or be greedy and think, Oh, if they make it, I'm not, or, you know, I love seeing other stories. I love reading other books. It's inspiration to me. And uh, I'm sure, as you said, there, there are a lot of holiday podcasts and Christmas podcasts. And I think there's room for all of us to do something really great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's, uh, kind of shift gears here and talk about this this wonderful story uh the city of limes uh i i love the names you have of the characters in the city it's it's very uh almost dickensian you, you know that when you hear the name you you understand the personality and when you sent the story to me i i started listening to it you know having no idea what to expect we we get solicitations a lot you know with different products and things and some are like, oh, this is really good. Others are, ooh, that's, <laughs> that's well, good for you. Keep trying, you know? <laughs> and, but after about f- five minutes, I'm like, oh, this is a good story. I, I need this on oh. my podcast. So thank you. I almost just stopped it right there and, and sent you know, back a message and it said, yes, whatever you want. <laughs> but I was so excited when I got your re- uh, response, by the way. So you really, that really made my day. Well, I, I thought, okay, I'll at least finish the story out and make sure it it's good as as well as it started out, but yeah, it, it's such a great great story. Very um, on its own, you know, just a very cozy story. The the narrator is, oh man, I, I want him just to read all my stories now. Completely, <laughs> he's he's such a gem. He is a gem. But uh, so the story tells uh, uh, the tale of the city of limes. Um, 
kind of a sour place to live. It sounds like at the beginning, uh, you want to tell us a little bit. Um, I know we just listened to it, but tell us sure. about it. And how did you come about to write it and all, all the, how did it get here? Okay. Uh, sure. I'd love to. So I had um, heard or read at one point in time that it's a wonderful life started out as a Christmas card that mm-hmm. was sent out. It was a short, like a short manuscript that I believe his name is Philip Stern sent it to like 200 people, his friends. He, and his dream was to have it. He wanted to have it made into a special, I believe, but he didn't see, have any idea what was about to happen. And I became really um, interested in making my Christmas gift a story that I wrote. So in 2002, um, I thought, oh, I want to write it. You know, I started thinking about it in the fall and thinking, what, what do I want to, because like you, Christmas is on my mind a lot and mm-hmm. what I'm, how I'm going to celebrate that holiday. And I was a young mom, but I, you know, I just had my daughter at that time, not my son. And I thought, okay, I'm going to write a story. And I'm very interested when an author creates a, a small world, you know, um, you know, the, for me, I this again. I lean on the younger side. I love the Hundred Acre Woods, AA Mel. Mm-hmm. You knew, you know the personalities of all those characters. Uh, so I thought I'd love to create a town or something. And I do a lot of thinking in the car, and a lot of thinking grocery shopping, and a lot of thinking unloading groceries. And I was holding a lime in my hand, and I thought, hmm, what if I created a town or a city? around this lime, you know, uh, the idea of a lime. And I thought, what comes into mind? And, you know, greedy and sour and jealous. Um, so that is where I, I first had the idea of a lime. And I started making notes. Um, and then some character names started to pop in my head. Uh, as you mentioned, they kind of, you hear it. I, I, I love that when you kind of hear a name and you're like, ooh, that sounds evil. Or I like that, yeah. that idea where it leads you. So, um, I also like the idea, and, and we talked about messages. I, I love the idea that a person can make a difference and can change things. And and I like the idea that people eventually who you think aren't going to be open to it, turn around and open their minds. So I thought, how, who am I going to have to do this? And that's how I started developing characters. And then um, it was really exciting to me when I, I love wordplay as well. I love like crossword puzzles and word jumbles and mm-hmm. making words out of other words. And I wrote the word line down and I started playing around with the letters and it hit me that it could, limes rather, and it hit me that it could be the word smile. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have it. I've got mm-hmm. it. And then I just started to kind of back into everything. Yeah. When, uh, you know, when I first listened to it, then at the end, when, the city of limes becomes the city of smile. I was like, Oh, that that's cool. What did you do? <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I looked at it and I thought, well, you see, just put the S at the beginning. No, that's a slime. Uh, <laughs> that's not right. But then I realized, Oh yeah, yeah. It's all jumbled, but yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I've always loved word, like letter play and word. Yeah. Play. So that was, that was an exciting moment for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the messages of, your story is and it's in the in the story it's it says that that never doubt that one person can make a difference and uh you're i guess one of your main characters uh crystal she she loves christmas uh and one year she decides to keep christmas up in her house and in one room uh all year round and to see what how that from that little decision she begins to reach people one at a time and it just um, pardon the pun, but it snowballs into <laughs> into impacting this entire town. 
Um, well, uh, let's see, a little Christmas spirit and some turtle brownies too yes. come into play, uh, which I have never had, but they sound really good. I'm, I rem- I'm going to send you the recipe. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, uh, we were talking about that. And I think um, Grace and I are going to make those and try them out for you guys. So um, that was wonderful. Yeah. And if uh, if it's all right, I'll share that recipe too. Oh, yeah. I'd love <laughs> if, that. No, assuming we like it. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea that Crystal just, first of all, I thought her name, Crystal just seems magic, magical mm-hmm. to me. Um, shiny, hopeful. Uh, spirit. And then I, when I realized I was going to name the city, the city of smile at the end, I thought it would be fun to have her name, have the word grin in it. So then I did the crystal McGrin and it just, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Well, for me, and it just kind of pops in my head and crystal popped in my head right away. And so, yeah, I knew she was going to be a magical character. And what I love about her is that she just, she is un, you know, unwavering in her, positivity and she she'll wave she'll be in whether you want to or not and she Mm -hmm. kind of has no time for negativity or thinking you know greed or thinking that that you're not having a great time or (laughs) or just enjoying life she she wants to stay positive and you know luckily she does start to turn the city and they follow her lead Mm -hmm. yeah again it speaks to the power that we can have to make a difference um Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I mean, to be honest, both good or bad, yeah. you, you know, um, it's, we just need to be aware of that, you know, even our, our bad attitude can be infectious or our good mm-hmm. attitude can be, and it's certainly much better to, um, to smile than to be a lime, I guess. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, I might be stealing that. <laughs> yeah, oh, go I, for it. <laughs> no, it is. They say, you know, what a difference just like a smile can make in someone's day. And, mm-hmm. you know, especially coming out of what we're coming out of, hope, you know, hopefully continue yeah. to come out of it with, I found it hard because I wanted like in a grocery store and I'd have my, you know, my mask on. I thought, Oh, I'm smiling at you guys. <laughs> like I, yeah. Yeah. I missed that. So I really appreciate, you know, this is going to be, I think a lot of us feel the same way that we just can't wait to, to get out there and smile and support each mm-hmm. other. And, you know, that what, what will be contagious now is like this positive energy of that we came through something and moving forward together. So, yeah, I'm super mm. excited about that. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I, I, I want to learn from this, the story is just that even as you're saying the power of a smile, um, I was reminded a couple of weeks ago, we had been traveling de- back from a college visit with my son and we stopped at a McDonald's and the lady working there was really having a bad day. I mean, mm. and she was letting everyone know it too. <laughs> uh, somebody had asked her when the, um, you know, when a McDonald's would open up again to have in, in dining. And, mm. and she just went off yelling and talking about how nobody wants to work anymore. And we're all understaffed and all this stuff. And, you know, there's a long line and people were getting frustrated. You could tell, and she's just, she's just had it. And, you know, in those moments we could criticize and say, Oh, what a terrible lady working here and responding that way. But learning to look at it from her perspective, I mean, she's probably overwhelmed working at a job, honestly, a very thankless job. Mm -hmm. And, Hey, let's, you know, and my wife is really good at this to say, um, you know, to smile, to be kind, to let them know, 
you know, we see you working hard. We're not frustrated mm-hmm. by the weight. It, it, you know, it's okay. You know, we want to be that, that bright light of, of happiness to them because I'm sure they face all kinds of <laughs> angry people all day long. So yeah, no, I uh, agree. But, it's difficult. Yeah. I think what you said, when you say we see you is so important. Yeah. Like we, and I, I love, I love that. I see you, I hear you, I see what you're doing. Um, and it, I think it does go a very, very long way. One of my favorite things I really can't wait to get back to are I've done some you know, virtual author visits during this time, but to be with kids, you know, and, you know, you can see the, you know, sometimes a shy one, but they, they're interested or they're, maybe they're really good at drawing, but they haven't, they, they haven't put it out there yet. I love connecting with them saying, I see you, I see what you're doing. You're doing great. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, vice versa, just to get one, you know, teacher or student who might come up to you afterwards and say, I, I liked your story and I learned something from it. That will keep me going for for weeks. So mm. I, I think it. I think we really can do that for each other. We can see each other and we can encourage each other, even with a smile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's powerful, and and my wife is really good at that. But she said, you know, you know, it's kind of a deliberate choice she had to make. Uh, I re- I remember it starting. I don't know, eight ten years ago. Mm-hmm. during Christmas time of all things and, <laughs> you know, going to Walmart, going to the grocery store, places like that. And everyone's just overworked and exhausted. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to put my Santa hat on. I'm going to smile at people. I'm, I'm not going to get in a rush. Um, it's not their fault. You know, it's, I'm, I'm just going to try to be happy. That's, that's a, she's Crystal McGrin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's any... another quote I love that I, 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 again, I have to remind myself, I want to think I'm living it all the time, but I, I have to remind myself and it's, it, I don't know if it's a quote or more of a mantra. It's, a, it's live in the solution. So we know what the problems are, you know, like maybe it's the line is long or this or whatever it may be, but it doesn't do us a lot of good to dwell in the problem. So I'm always looking to live in the solution. And, you know, I, I had this just the other day before I reached out to you, I thought, Oh man, I really, I really want to get my work out there. I want to, you know, Oh, it's so hard. It's this, you know, you can start to have a little pity party. And then I thought, all right, what is the solution? Let's, I know it's hard. I know there are a lot of people, but we also have all these awesome outlets now, like, so start sending it out. And, and, and when you send things out into the universe or you put positivity out in the universe, a lot of time it comes back to you. So Mm -hmm. I, I think it all goes to, again, like people can make a difference with their attitude, their words, and, you know, we can really support yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's such a, a needed message today, for sure. In in the story is uh, we get the character next of uh, Harold Huff, I believe his name was, yeah. the, uh, the reporter. And I, I love that he... I think it was that part in the story where he opens his mouth and she to say something maybe, and she just pops a brownie in it. <laughs> yeah, very crystal. <laughs> yes, here you go. I don't know what you're about to say, but eat this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's perfect. And I um I did Harold Huff, and I so I also got very excited with the City of Limes Times. For some reason, oh. I was like, oh, it's like the mic. I get super excited about little things that either rhyme or wordplay, and I named him Harold, uh, like Harold, like H E R A L D. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, like a play off that world word of delivering a message, um, since he had an audience. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, 
Harold, that's another one that kind of popped in my mind, but I thought, Harold, I had this double meaning that, you know, I love having this chance to tell you this because people, mm-hmm. they, they would never know that except my family who I tell everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was very excited about the City of Lyme's Times and, and about Harold. And I love Crystal that I could just picture it where he was about to say something negative or try to leave and she she wanted him to stay. And so- mm-hmm. She just took matters in her own hands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and and that the gift he got was a pen, yeah. uh, which is so neat that it, it's just this little thing, but it's, hey, this is something I'm going to use. Yeah. Uh, in in my uh, last episode, I was interviewing uh, a playwright and she oh. was talking about how when she was a kid, she got really strange gifts from her family. You know, you know she'd get paper or post-it notes, a pen, pens, the stuff like that. And and she said, and now, you know, I'm a writer, I'm, I'm a playwright. So maybe yeah. that was the Christmas miracle I was looking for, you know? <laughs> oh, that's so neat. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and that was another little bit where Crystal, you wonder, you know, are you can, can guess she's got a little bit of magic in her because mm-hmm. she knew where to point him to find the pen and yeah. what stop to go to and reach deep and get it. And there is a great Christmas special. Now I'm going to, you'll know it. I know it where, oh gosh. The, oh, I know the the heat miser and snow miser. Oh yeah. Uh, but was... the the guy who who wizard over the mountains and he gets a little. I think it's a train and he says a choo choo a choo choo. I've always wanted choo choo and it starts to melt him because he was given the right gift at the right time. Mm. And so that was the pen for Harold. Was I? It just in addition to the experience he was having at Crystals, it was just he held it and he knew what to do with it. So mm-hmm. that was my, that was a little bit of magic from Crystal. And, and I like that. I mean, I know it's a short story, so this all happens, you know, within the half hour of the story, but when you really think about it in, in the, in the timeline of the story, it's taking time yes. to, to make a change. It's not yes. immediate. It's not overnight. It's one yes. person at a time. Um, but then it eventually finds its audience and it begins to, to change people. Yeah. I mean, it takes her almost a full year. It takes it takes some time, and that's what I love—the persistence of Crystal and that she just never stopped. And I love that, um, you know, Harold—he changed quickly. Something he had an aha moment, but the rest of the town took a little bit longer. They were just trying to keep up with him, and they were trying <laughs> to look as smart and intelligent as he was by by saying, "Oh yes, this made a difference." But then it. You know, it's, it's what like it's like anything. You do it enough, and it starts to become a way of life. So then mm-hmm. it, it caught on. But we we do get to one fellow who seems to be having a hard time, uh, <laughs> uh, Charles Puckersby, yes. which is a wonderful name. <laughs> I mean, I was excited about that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I thought you know what you know Puckersby. You hear Pucker, and it's yeah. sour and tart and live. And also, I mean, that is a definite nod to. Um, Potter, Mr. Is it Mr. Potter? Uh, and it's a wonderful life. Old Potter yeah. at the bank. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, now, luckily, this Puckersby turned it around. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had this image at, when I was creating the city of having one person who was really powerful uh, that, that was going to be a challenge. And that was definitely my, my Puckersby. And in the course of the story, he tries to I mean, he shuts the power off in town. You know, he's trying to stop 
the Christmas light, yeah. you know, and if you can get all kind of metaphorical with that, you know, that's, um, was great. Uh, but what I love is that they decide, Hey, here's the one house in town that has power. We're going to go there. We're going to bring Christmas there. Right. And he no, comes and home. House big enough for everybody. <laughs> yep. Yep. And he comes home and his, even his own wife is, you know, <laughs> like, Oh no, what you, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And I love that. Um, that his it, it, she kind of did what Crystal did to Harold, where she just you know they put a brownie in his mouth, and he had to take it all in and and kind of take in what was going on around him. I love the image. I, my my ultimate dream is to have this made into a holiday special, and I yeah. honestly don't know. I could go either way of animation or live action. Like I really could go either way. I'm, it would just be a dream come true. That's my goal. But the image of them marching through the streets with the Christmas decorations and the tree and taking it to, to Puckersby Mansion is one I, I would love to see come to life. Um, but anyway, I love when she sticks the brownie in his mouth and then he just has to kind of, he can't believe what's going on in his own home. And he mm-hmm. has to take it all in. And I love that moment for, for Rose and the whole town. I think in the right hands of, a, of, a, of the right artist, this would be a very beautiful yeah. animated film. Yeah, yeah, I would love it. Yeah, I mean, there's... You know, as someone, a fellow Christmas lover, one of our major things is we try to hit, make sure we get all the animation, all the Christmas classics and not just classics, you know, new movies as well. Uh, But we, you know, the animations are definitely are are big for us. So that would, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And and so uh, no spoilers here. uh, Hopefully everyone listened to the story first, Um, but no, no fast forwarding through our episodes here. Um, But Mr. Puckersby is changed and the whole town has been changed and now they are the city of smile uh and and then we find out at the end um that the uh the narrator why don't you go ahead and uh wrap this up what what happened yeah. who's narrator and how did that all come together so the narrator is actually a puckersby because i thought people might think well i was already very excited about changing it from limes to smile and what I really wanted to illustrate is that this this really, it changed the city. Um, it changed everybody. And I thought people might think this was just someone who had been told the story or maybe even someone on the McGrin side of things, but having it be, uh, you know, you can guess whether it was like a great grandson, a great, great grandson or whatever it may be that it was someone in the Puckersby family that not only had it changed the city, but it changed his family so much that the story was told and told and told and became such an important part of their history. Um, and that he still holds in his heart, the lessons of, you know, one person can make a difference. And of course the extra caramel in your turtle brownies. Yeah. <laughs> so I, You know, it, it's so funny. I run everything by my, my family. And at the end when, you know, sincerely, James Puckersby. I said, did you see that coming? Did you think it was a Puckersby? <laughs> and they're like, no, you know, they, they, def- they thought it was maybe someone just in the city who had, whose family had grown up in the city or maybe, you know, a relative of Crystal, but mm-hmm. you know, I love a little twist. Oh yeah. And, and honestly, I, I never see twists coming. I mean, it can, <laughs> it can be the most obvious twist and I'm, the one, oh, really? Well, that was a surprise. And, you know, everyone in my family is like, you didn't see that coming? I, I mean, know, I know. I, <laughs> like, oh. yeah. I, I just get it. caught up in the moment of the story. And yeah, I don't often think ahead about what's, you know, other than what's going to happen, what's going to happen. I got to keep reading or keep watching. I think it can be more fun that way, though. So it kind of has a little impact on you. Right. I, and I, I, and then when I, it 
said his name, I said, wait a minute, is this the same guy? No, it's, oh, it's a descendant. So this impact changed not just him, but his family. And, and this is where I think the narrator is so good because his, his tone of voice and everything is so warm and cozy. You know, you don't think of a name like Puckersby or Sour and all that. Right. Um, that there is really a, an, a profound change in his family, which is amazing. Yeah, I, I have to say that he really brought it to life. Um, I, I, I read. So on my website, I do read my children's books because I, I like hearing books from the author, and there, there's, you know, they're shorter rhyming books typically, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy that because especially if I've gone to a school to read to them, and I think it's nice for them to have that recording then. But I knew in my head when I pulled this story out from so many years ago, I had always pictured it. Uh, Peter Pan at the very beginning of Peter Pan, the darlings are getting ready for a Christmas, for a party, and they they go out into the streets. And in my head, I pictured City of Limes a little bit like that surrounding. And I just thought, I need a British accent for this. I know I do, and I know, and it needs to be. For some reason, I wanted a male British accent. Mm. And so I went searching and I found him. And I don't know if you've ever listened to Harry Potter books on Audible mm-hmm. by any chance. Okay. Yeah. So he, that is Jim Dale and he's phenomenal. I think he won awards for it. it. He was amazing. And I found this gentleman, John Coley, and I, I found, I listened to his recording and I went running into my husband's office as I do all the time yeah. <laughs> when I'm excited about something. And I said, I found my Jim Dale. I found him and then I reached out to him and we worked, uh, you know, worked on it. And he, I could not believe it. He recorded it. He got Clement. A lot of people don't say my name right the first time. Uh, uh-huh. Willoughby's Market, which was, a, you know, uh, in honor of my kids, like everything. I, I mean, we had, he, this was done in 48 hours from what oh, wow. the time he had the script in his hand. And I, I just think he's a gem. He's a treasure. And he brought it to life in ways that uh, I, I honestly know me reading it would have been nice but in, and lovely, but him mm-hmm. doing it just brought it to life. And what, what I really like, I typically can't wait to get something illustrated and, and, and have it in a book in my hands. But I think this is so neat because of his voice that the imagery in your own head and how people are imagining it. And, you know, I'd love for that to come to life on screen one day, but I'm so super grateful and thankful that I found him and uh, that he brought it to life the way he did. Yeah. Now that you mentioned um, Jim Dale's name, I I can really hear that similarity. And and that's, I mean, that's, it's it's just really good. So uh, there's been a couple audio books I've listened to just because Jim Dale narrated them. So yeah. Yeah. I totally Um, agree. I actually have a, an audio uh, Christmas Carol read by Jim Dale too. Oh, wow. Uh, So that's, that's, I've got I've got so many. I've got like five or six different audio readings, and every I kind of rotate through them every year. It's like let's see, last year I read or I listened to this one, so I'll I'll listen to a new one this year and just kind of keep it going. But yeah, he's yeah. amazing. But yeah, it's it's uh, you know something that I have always felt the power of a story, and especially in the hands of a gifted, not just storyteller but the speaker. When it all comes together, you, you just get magic you know i mean this story just really resonated with me so i'm, I'm so grateful you you shared that um and that you wrote it and you know slayed those monsters in your life telling you not to <laughs> thank you thank you I'm, I'm really appreciative of 
you know, it, it feels good to share your work and have someone respond to it. That's the goal that it touches someone. Uh, so I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And again, thank you for sharing that. Uh, so I guess to, you know, to, to summarize, to wrap up, what is your hope for the story? What, what do you plan to do with it? Um, what do you want people to take away from it? Well, my hope here, here are my plans and I, I'm, I'm, I like to dream. <laughs> so sure. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm putting it out in the universe. I hope people, you know, ultimately my goal is that it, it's something that people enjoy every year that they, they, it just gets them in the mood. It also inspires them to stay positive and that, you know, that one person can make a difference. Um, so my dream is, so my plan is I am going to keep sending it out to as many people. Um, you know, I have this goal that I send it to two to 10 organizations, um, or people a day and just keep sharing it and, and, you know, hope to get some response. I have this dream of having as a Christmas special animated or live action. I have a dream of, um, I can see in my head Christmas ornaments where one side says city of smile or city of limes and you turn around it's a city of smile. I, I can see tea towels that say, always put extra caramel in your turtle brownies. I, I have this whole vision of, you know, really fun, a fun Christmas tradition. Uh, you know, when some, we have a lot of traditions in my house and, mm. you know, we, we look forward to watching certain Christmas movies every year. And, and I would love for this to be on the roster for people where they are like, oh, City of Limes. And, um, and what I love about it, I would, what I hope other people will love is that it combines, you know, storytelling. But what I'd love is if people, not only they, they said, okay, we're going to watch it. We're going to hang our ornament under their tree that says City of Limes, the City of Smile as a reminder of brightness. And maybe they make turtle brownies as well. So it's like, you're having this whole family experience of, watching a show or listening to a story and decorating mm-hmm. and, and baking. And it really, you know, encompasses the whole spirit of Christmas. So that, that's my, my dream. And uh, so I, I plan on keeping working on working towards right. it. That's, oh, wonderful. And yeah, there's uh, another one of our uh, Christmas podcasters. He wrote a, a Christmas story novel and he's, you know, he'd love to see it published, but he really wants it to be a movie or something like that. And so this year he's releasing one chapter a week um, between now and Christmas. And uh, he's gotten a lot of us together to, to read different chapters. So I have a chapter coming up in uh, September, but it's, it's so fun. It's like, uh, you know, it's like a weekly radio drama. You're getting the new chapter in and Oh, it's great. And I can't wait. I'll definitely check it out. I can't wait. Yeah, um, I'll, I can send you the the links. It, he he's on a, a Christmas movie podcast, but then he's also releasing the chapters through um, uh, on on a second day during the week. So, um, I mean, well, I hope we both have Christmas specials one day together. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And we're we're here at, to see it all beginning. So that's that's exciting. Yeah. So that's uh, again the city of. The city, city of limes. I keep wanting to call it city of smile now. <laughs> but, <Right. laughs> um, and and the stories on on YouTube. Um, you were gracious to send me the the link or the uh, audio so I could play it on the podcast, and uh, I'll make sure all that's in our show notes. What? Uh, where can people find you? Uh, website and find your books and all that. Sure. Thank you. Um, they can find me at Jamie and it's J A M I E L Kleeman, 
K-L-E-M-A-N.com. That's got all of my uh, books on there and my TED Talks, uh, upcoming events, and my books. They can also search Jamie Kleeman on Amazon, and my kids' books are on there. Uh, and now I have The City of Limes is on my website. They can play it there and it, or take some right to YouTube. So okay. that's where they can find me. Great. Well, before we go, do you have, uh, I'd like to ask our guests, do you have any, a favorite Christmas memory or tradition that, that uh, you have? I do. Oh man. Okay. It's so just I, one, right? <laughs> just one? Shoot. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know oh, what? More than one's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do a couple. I have to do a couple. Okay. Um, do a couple. So Christmas Eve is really special to our family. It might, I mean, I almost feel like Christmas Eve is, is even more of a favorite day for us than Christmas because it's mm-hmm. that anticipation. It's this excitement. So we have a couple that are really special to me traditions. I special to all of us. I hope uh, we start the morning and this kind of lends itself to light. We have a small neighborhood and we gather and fill luminary bags uh, and, and put them out around the neighborhood. And then at dusk, we all go out and light them. And so that's really special. Uh, my family and I, we like to play a lot of board games during the day on Christmas Eve. We just know that's going to be like a board game and like popcorn and treats, kind of just a fun day, cookies and baking. Then uh, after we write, light the luminaries, we drive around and look at other Christmas decorations. We love to do that. Like not not just on that night, but that night we, we always do. And then my all-time favorite animated Christmas movie is um, The Night Before Christmas, but the bank, oh my gosh, the one with the mice, the, the where the clock is not yeah. working. Rankin and Bass, Rankin and Bass. Right, um, yeah. Oh, it's one of my all-time, and that, and I think that's maybe where it comes from, where the one mouse, he messes up the clock, but he goes back in and he fixes it. And so the whole town is sad for a bit, but then it all comes together in the end. I'm sure that was a big influence on me. So we watched that. Uh, we still put out like carrots for reindeer, cookies oh, and fun. milk for Santa. Um, and yeah, so it's just that whole day of, you know, a lot of family time. And, you know, we always settle to that. We watch as many Christmas classics as we can, but we save that one to us the night before Christmas for Christmas Eve. Hmm. So I can rem- remember watching that. Uh, I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, I love it. But I, I'm, yeah, I'm already remembering. Oh, yeah, I remember watching it's that. So I, I, need yeah, to, I need to pull that out again. Maker. You know, those yeah. old, uh, th- old movies, the old style animation, I just, yeah. I'm still, and that's why I'm so, my mind is so open to what, Ever format City of Limes could be because I do really enjoy different types of animation and you know in addition to live action, but I I could see it in a couple different in a t- mm-hmm. couple of different ways. So I'm excited. Yeah. Um, well, I, I best of luck to you and your endeavors, and um, I, I know you'll have a, a community of fans here <laughs> rooting oh, for you. So, nice. so thank yeah. you so much. This has been such a treat. Really, just a joy. So I really appreciate it. Well, I, I always enjoy finding people who are happy to talk about Christmas any time of the year. So, Founder. <laughs> <laughs> Good. All right. Jamie, again, thank you for coming on. And uh, we all want to wish you a Merry Christmas in July. Thank you so much. Same to you. Hey, I think it's working. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone. We, I am back with Gracie. Once again, she has the giggles. Um, Gracie, today's a very special day today. 
It is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this episode is the one-year anniversary of the podcast. It is? It start- yes, it started one year ago, oh, cool. more or less today. So to celebrate, I'm going to take a lick of a candy cane. Ah, delicious. All right. <laughs> Wow, what a great <laughs> what a, what a great celebration we have going on here. Yeah, a lick of a candy cane. Yep. Um, did, did you want one? No, no I just looked <laughs> off that. Don't. don't. <laughs> All right. Um, so, on tell the people on the podcast, you got the audio of this, but we're trying something a little different. And if you go to the Cozy Christmas YouTube channel, there might just be video or there might not be. And it might be a good video, or it might be really awful. Who, Who's going to be able to tell? So I wanted to try out some snacks on this episode today, especially the chocolate turtle brownies. But there's a slight problem with those. <laughs> we ate them all. We ate them all. <laughs> uh, in the story that was on in this episode, chocolate, fi- or chocolate turtle brownies play a very important role. And we had some. They were delicious. Yeah, probably the best brownies I've ever eaten. Yeah. So good job. Yeah, yeah. I just followed the recipe. So, but they turned out really, really good. I mean, if they didn't make my stomach hurt, I just eat a whole pan. Yeah, yeah. I'll have the recipe. I'll share with you guys. And if you make them, let me know how they turn out. But they turned out so good. They were really good. Just really unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we also tried mince pies, and I can share the recipe with you right now. First of all, you go to Amazon, you order mince pie filling, and then you go to the store and you buy pre-made crust and then you just make them. (laughs) Okay. That's what I did. (laughs) Uh, Did you like those? Did you like the mince pies? They, not as good as the turtle brownies. Yeah. In my opinion, but I mean. They were okay. Yeah, they were okay. They they were bad. They were bad. Yeah. They were I don't know. I they just kind of reminded me of apple pies, but I think they'd be better if they were like homemade and not just like filling from the store and like you made them homemade. I think they. Yeah, be the the homemade process but, looked complicated. But yeah, we don't have time for that. We have stuff to do. So <laughs> that's right. We Called don't. sitting in our chair drinking we, coffee. We don't have time for that. Yes, <laughs> hair flip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. We probably have plenty of time for that. No, it it did look kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to try that. I just bought filling, and I, I thought it, it was good. Like I remember taking a bite of mincemeat pie when I was a kid, and it was the grossest thing I had ever put in my mouth. <laughs> and I used to eat dirt. Oh, um, so actually, well, me and my like friends, it. but we would we used to when we were little, we would play like baking outside, and we would mix tea with water, or not tea, sorry, dirt with water, and we would call it tea. Hmm. And one time. Me and my friend were drinking it, and we were like, yum, this is good. Oh, <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> it basically, like, and then when we would finish all the water, there would just be a giant dirt pile on the bottom that was probably mm. mud at that point, mm-hmm. but we would literally just drink it like it was a soda pop, and we'd be like, yum, this is good, and I think about that now. I'm like, yeah, that's gross. That's, that's, that's disgusting. That's gross. That's gross. <laughs> um, although some people would say tea is basically just muddy water. But we don't like those people. So, <laughs> um, alrighty. Uh, so yeah, we tried the mince. So we tried mince pie, and I tried to make them like they would in in England, where it's a, a fruity mixture in the middle. There's little. There, there. I, I made them in little cupcake pan things, and so they're smaller, more bite sized And I liked them, but 
you know, wasn't crazy about them. They mm-hmm. smelled amazing when they were cooking, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep trying because I really want to like mince pies, and I want to make sure I'm doing it right. So, all right. Well, today's main segment here, uh, Gracie is going to share a few of her her fuzzy friends with us. So we we talk about her bear friends all the time. You actually are, and hence the video. You're actually gonna be able mm-hmm. to see some of them. Oh. Mm. Hello there. <laughs> so for those listening uh, on the podcast, you can watch the video too if you like, or we'll try to describe them. But um, this is going to be more of a visual thing. And uh, she's going to see if I can try to keep track of all the names of the bears she brought down. And these are not all of my bears. These oh. are just a small portion. I have lots and lots and lots, but obviously we can't go through all of them. Otherwise, this episode would be like three hours long yeah. <laughs> if I gave full descriptions <laughs> of like all 80 or whatever. I, I can't even remember. Exactly. All right. Well, but, let's, let's get started here. Okay. So, I will have you name this one. It was All right, this. hold this guy up. Hold him in front of the camera. There he is. Hello. Um, Who is this? Uh-oh. I'm already forgetting. Don't tell me. Happy. His yes, name is Happy. Yes, this is Happy. Um, it's pretty clear why I chose this name. Look at his giant smile. It's so cute. Um, I got him a couple months ago. Um, and Where did we get him from? Mom. Mom mm. gave him to me. Because um, I was struggling to sleep at night, and I just needed someone to cuddle. So mm, um, right. that's why. But... I'm fine now, but um, I think he's really cute. And <laughs> yeah, he's so, he's happy. He's happy. Right. Also, for some reason, a lot of my bears are boys. I don't know why. I I just I, I don't know why, but they are. Well, boys are more cuddly than girls are. You know what? That didn't come out the way I wanted it to. So never mind. Mom, if you're watching this. <laughs> So this one is actually from a fan who Yes, is, um Silvana, I think is was her name. Is yes. her name still so is. This yes. is <laughs> This is Stripey. Um but he's one of I don't want to say favorites, but he's definitely one of my really more special ones mm-hmm. and I think he's a cute. I love his nose and I just love his little ears. Um I picked the name Stripey cuz he looks like um he's very stripey, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his name had something to do with, like, his name was supposed to be Zag or something, and I didn't really like that, so I just named him Stripey, and I think it's an adorable name, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like his floppy limbs here. <laughs> I'm on a TV. Hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to put... This one, okay, this is one of the bears my dad gets mixed up all the time. He literally forgets in five seconds, despite I tell him multiple times a day, this is this, this is this, this is this. So, who is this? Um. <laughs> he already forgot. It's Phil? No, this Gu- is Gus. Gus, Gus. <laughs> this is it's Gus. Gus. I yes, knew it. This is Hi, Gus. So, I got Gus at, um, a couple months we took a trip to one of our favorite amusement parks called Adventureland, and we were there, and we went into the gift shop and found this little dude. Well, he's got a big belly, uh, his muzzle is so big you can't see his eyes unless you tilt him down, which is what I really love about him, <laughs> and his nose is so big, and he sounds like this, mm-hmm. hello, hello. <laughs> Hey, don't hit the microphone. This is expensive equipment. It cost me tens of dollars. 
<laughs> so yeah, this is one of the many ones my dad mixes up, as you can see. Who is this? Um, Ga- Gus. <laughs> yes. Gus. Yes, okay. There you go. Okay, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take the ones I already did. I don't want to redo them by oh. accident. Um, this little guy has actually a bit of a story. Oh um, yes, there is a story behind. I know he George. isn't a Christmas bear, but his name is George because I named him after George Washington because he's very patriotic. I'm going to put him close up, and I want um you can see this little stitch line. So he's got a scar on his belly from here's the story stem with to stern. George. I was going into my ELP class, extended learning program class, for school, and I noticed on my teacher's table just this little dude laying down like this, all his stuffing piling out of him, and I went up to my teacher, his name's Mr. Thornock, he's awesome, um, mm. He and I was like, what did you do to him? I was like devastated. I mean, I wasn't crying or anything. I was just like, what did you do to this guy? And I'm like, he's like, oh, I needed stuffing for something. And I was like, <laughs> you couldn't have gotten a bag of stuffing or something from the store. And so I told him, you know, I need to fix this guy or I need someone to fix this guy for me. So my friend Bella from school, it took her a long time because she was a busy kid, but she eventually got to her grandma's house and sewed this little dude up and then gave him back, but, oh my word, that was terrible. I just walked in seeing this adorable little bear, like, on his back, stuffing piling out of him, so that was terrifying. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was sad. Like, walking in and seeing somebody's guts all tore out. But, yeah, yeah that's the story behind him, and now I named him George, so, yeah, I think I yep. already said that. Yep. It's fine. <laughs> so, this has been easy so far. So... You know the name of this one. Okay. Um, yeah, this one. This is very, um, this is a bear I've had since I was a little tiny baby, just a couple months old. Mm-hmm. His name's Bear. You can see he's very well loved. Um, he's one of my most favorite bears ever because he's very special. I sleep with him every night, which sounds kind of like a toddler thing, but no, no cares. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um,. So I got, I think we got him at like a 4th of July parade or something, or like just some kind of parade when I was really little, but... Yeah, I don't remember what parade it was, but it uh, might have been Labor Day even. Well, no, maybe, maybe it was 4th of July. I, I really don't know, Because you were pretty, pretty little, I was, so... I was born in April, yeah. and then that was 4th of... Like, I think it was in 4th of July, so I was not even two months old yet, and this little guy became mine, so I think He's, originally he was one of my brothers, but then my mom made them give him no, see, or something like that. But. I'm pretty sure it was the, the backup one that, of him that was one of your brothers. And then, yeah, my brother had to give it to me. So if I lost, yeah. if I lost this one, you'd have a spare. We've had a spare, but I basically loved this one, and then just was like whatever about the other one. So mm-hmm. I like. I have upstairs somewhere a comparison. I can get it if you want to show you because they were the same bear. So <laughs> yeah. do you want to go get that? Uh, no, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. but I mean, maybe we can send a picture or something. Yeah, but, we'll, we'll maybe have so a picture. It's very funny. I've compared them to when shown like my friends and stuff before, um, and they were kind of like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> but I have three more left. All right, who's this? Um, all right, so this one is Gus. No, Phil. <laughs> it's Phil. Phil. This is not Gus. This is Gus. This is Phil. They Gus look Phil. like they're Gus. identical twins, practically. I mean, how, I don't... Where did I get this 
one? I don't remember. <laughs> He's a recent one, isn't he? Oh yeah. Um for Teddy Bear Day, National Teddy Bear Day. Oh that's right. I got I got, got that me. for you for so National Teddy his, Bear Day. On his he is actually the same brand as Stripey is. Um you can see it on the name tag. Don't show my butt on the camera. The I'm little embarrassed. Gun. Um that's his and then guns on this one too. So they're the same brand. Um yep. On his original name was Philbin, but on the tag, but I really just liked Phil Philbin. So I Hello, just Philbin. <laughs> no, okay. Um, so I just named him <laughs> Phil. Um, he kind of in this, like you can kind of tell they're the same brand. They have similar like facial treat, like they look kind of the mm-hmm. same on their face. Oh, like yeah. the nose and the muzzle and the eyes look the, about the so same, just different Phil color. Phil and Stripey are. Identical twins. Got it. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the last two I have are Christmas bears. So I'm, I have lots of Christmas bears, but these are ones that mean a lot. So mm-hmm. this is Twinkle. Um, he's so cute. Um, he is pretty cute. He's a little brown bear. Um, so I named him Twinkle because the little twinkle in his eyes. Yeah, I suppose. Um, that's mom. Mom came up with that idea, but um, I really like it. He actually does have a, another ear under his hat, which was funny. I thought, um, but the thing is, this ear has red in it, and this ear doesn't have any red in it. So I was kind of confused as to why they didn't do that. But <laughs> don't show my deformities on the camera. I'm embarrassed. Oh, I can see what you did there. I'm but yeah, this is Twinkle. I think I got him for Christmas one year. When you have mm-hmm. so many bears, you can't really remember where or when you got them all the time. Um, so. Yes, that one, I got you for Christmas because you really wanted, you saw them at the store oh, and you yeah. really wanted one. Oh, yeah. I and think I got this one in either 2018 or 2019 for Christmas. And so I finally got a chance to go back to the store without her to get it. And I couldn't find any more. They were all sold out. And then I, I I was looking around the area and I found him sitting among the bags of potato chips <laughs> and somebody just stuffed them in the wrong spot. And so I grabbed him and uh, that was close. So Yeah, but that's really sweet. I am glad that you found him because he's very cute. Now I saved probably my dad's favorite bear. I like this for one. Last. This is Buddy. I named him after... Buddy the elf, he mm-hmm. is, because his little elf hat, he looks like an, a little bear elf, mm-hmm. but he is crazy. Every night before I go to bed, he's like, is that Christmas yet? <laughs> he's very crazy. <laughs> um, he sings jingle bells and drives the other bears crazy. You want to demonstrate? <clears throat> Hello, is this thing on? Hi, I'm Buddy the bear. Me, 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 okay, me, 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 I'll explain the me, 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 me thing, because when I was really young, probably like two, two, three, four, I came up with a, like just a word for my bears that they would say, and that was me. So I, so ever since then, my bears have just said me, 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 me. They just go me, me. And when they talk, they're like, me, me. I like to do this to my dad is I'll have my bears ask them questions in this invented language that I created called bearish, which is the me, me, me language. <laughs> this is probably very confusing. <laughs> it's, it's purely but, a tonal language. <laughs> so, um, buddy will ask you a question. Me, me. Yes. Me, 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 me. It is not Christmas yet. 
Me, 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 me. <laughs> That's not what you said? Me. Oh, well, sorry. So, <laughs> but yeah. it's not Christmas yet. Yeah, well, so this is Buddy. He's very funny. Um, I got him in 2017 mm. for Christmas. Yep. So. And I can't remember if Mom bought that for you. I think you did. I don't or did know. I? It's all I have with me right now, but I have lots more, but... Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thank you for the uh, the. Yeah, now we have bears all over our kitchen floor. So yep, yep. let me put them back so they don't get all dirty. But. So that's all for us today. Happy anniversary to us. We made it a year. <laughs> you can't see his eyes. <laughs> oh, there we go. And um, thank you for listening. We'll have Gracie back on. We might be doing more videos in the future. Someone's been bugging me to do those. Not me. You asked a few times. That counts as bugging. (laughs) All right. So everyone take care. Have a happy Christmas in July. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Is it Christmas yet? No. How about now? Or now? Or now? Or now? Or now? Or now? No. Be quiet, buddy. (laughs) Those brownies were... So good. Please let me know how they, if you make them, how they turned out for you. It's incredible. Those are truly life-changing brownies, aren't they? (laughs) I know this is a long episode, uh, but I appreciate every one of you for sticking with it. So just a couple of reminders before we go. Right now, I will be back on Friday to read part two of The Christmas Hirelings by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. We will be getting back to the to the present day in the story to find out what happens when the children show up at Sir John's home to help him celebrate Christmas. Also, just a quick reminder that uh, we do have a Christmas in July contest happening, and you can enter it by liking and sharing the Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram by sending me a Christmas memory or story or tradition. Reach out to me on social media or Cozy Christmas podcast at gmail.com you can be entered by rating and reviewing uh, the podcast on on itunes and then also if you want to support us in a financial way on ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com backslash cozy christmas and uh, for the price of a cup of coffee you can help support the show and the link will be in the show notes and you'll get three entries into the contest for that and you might be the lucky winner of a coaster cozy for your coffee cup to look Christmassy. I've, I've talked about these in the past and the, the pictures are on my Facebook page so you can check those out. Thank you all so much for this wonderful year that you have spent with me celebrating Christmas. We have uh, I don't know the exact count but it's around 43 episodes in the can. The downloads have far exceeded my expectations And I'm just so grateful that people are finding it and my audience continues to grow. Even this summer, when it's not Christmas time, uh, the numbers have been slowly going up and that's so exciting. I'm, I'm just so grateful to you all. So as I've said many, many times, be kind to each other and do good. It can make a difference. And remember, as the man himself, Charles Dickens said, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. Have a very Merry Christmas.